0: Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And before an excellent podcast, quick shout out to our sponsor, Brex. Brex is a credit card for startups, the first one ever. It's fantastic. They don't require a personal guarantee by the founder. That is a huge, huge deal. Also has great integration with QuickBooks, which makes life easy for your accountant. And finally, they have really good rewards. They do startup-centric rewards, so like bonuses on ride-sharing and travel and eating out and things like that, all things that appeal to the whole team at a startup. So check out Brex, and if you go through their sign-up and type in Cruise, you get a discount. Hopefully, you enjoy Brex, and thanks so much, guys, for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting, and my Very special guest is Robbie at Frame. Robbie Mitchell, welcome, Robbie. Hi. I introduced you as Robbie because you're like Robbie to me, and actually, my best (laughs) friend growing up was Robbie, and so uh, still, still one of my best friends. (laughs) But but so I love actually, it gives me a lot of joy to write you an email and be like, "Hey, Robbie, what's going on?" So you have been a client for two or three years now, yeah. um, And you, Frame is is doing some amazing stuff in online customer support technologies. And so it it may be a curse, but I am, you are my go-to person for whenever we're trying to do something at cruise to how do we do this? How do we make this better? So maybe talk about your career, retrace it a little bit, and then about frame.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm glad we made it here. Um, So, so (laughs) by the way, uh, by the way, Cruise, I think, was the first vendor we adopted after we raised VC funding. Wow, because that's awesome. I was like, we're going to have books in order. First thing going to do here, uh, having been an entrepreneur before. That was a smart move
0: because <laughs> you're not going to wait till the M&A term sheet comes in to try to do your financials, which we will not let companies do, but I have a lot of companies coming to us because they are a complete mess yeah. and they got a term sheet or yeah. a series a, a series B term sheet. So yeah.
1: smart I, move by you. I had observed in the past, you know, a, a, let's say a series C uh, cleaning up stuff pretty massively and I, I didn't want to get there. So,
0: yeah. Smart. So, all
1: right, tracing, where did I come from? Let me see how quickly I can do this. It helps to actually mention college. So in college I switched majors a few times. I went to this commuter school in Ohio. I did business and, information systems and comms and and settled on law and economics. But I also worked part-time the whole time in a cubicle on a laptop, living in Excel, you know, for four hours a day and then full-time during the breaks. Um, and that, that sort what of were set you doing? for later. Well, I was a financial analyst at a tech company in Dayton. It was like the big tech company. And, you know, they needed somebody to, to reconcile. They thought it was going to be a summer project and it turned into a four-year job. And I got really good at, uh, at, it was basically reselling broadband at a time when that was really a big deal. And I ended up not only doing that, but writing scripts that did my job for me. And that turned into a whole nother level of like, well, what else can you automate around here? And so I sort of got a taste of that kind of work. And anyone who knows me knows that's like a, a pretty big obsession of mine. Uh, automating road stuff. We, we share that passion for that too. <laughs> and
0: I, I love, that's actually like one of the things we're really good at and I love it. Uh-huh. It actually makes me so, feel so accomplished and in our team, everyone, you know, cause it's a group thing. It's not just like one person can't automate stuff. But that's, I didn't even know that, that you have a passion for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big we're, we're two real big dorks, by <laughs> the way, but, but keep, keep, keep going. All right. So, so after school, I went and actually worked for a professor at Harvard for a few years. I thought I was going to go do trade negotiation because that's what I'd studied, law and economics and stuff. Um, and I, after three years, decided not to do that. But the thing I was actually most interested in was that I had built this HR portal. Because everything was distributed over email, and I was like, "This is silly. Let's build a website." And So I actually like learned more coding in order to do that, and again, you know, set the stage for later later stuff. Um, so I left that job to start an educational rap music company with a really good friend of mine. We were sort of like, "How can we hack music to teach stuff for middle school kids?" And We, we weren't the only people to do this, but we were. You know, we thought of it as like Schoolhouse Rock for modern awesome. kids. So, so I it was, was rap. Or yeah. Rock? Yeah. yeah, it was rap. We like, we hired, we hired producers and rappers and lyricists and put together a pretty cool song machine. And I, did, I was the business guy. So I did like business stuff. I ended up focusing on SEO and customer support. Uh, once we got going and, you know, accidentally found the next set of set of jobs there. Um, so I moved to New York while I was doing that. From Boston sort of was like, all right, I'm done doing this solo educational thing with my friend and got a marketing job at Newton, which at the time was a really hot, well-funded, important education company here in New York. It's basically building an adaptive learning machine that helps kids learn better. And so I got great experience from the person who was running marketing at the time on especially paid marketing, like performance marketing, and then when, that business shifted to more of a B2B enterprise thing, we did this huge effort on PR and brand development. And it was like, it was basically two or three jobs over the course yeah. of five years there, you know, eventually running a pretty big marketing team that was cross-functional, had development and design and stuff on it. Um, so five years there, I was kind of like done with education, which at that time had been like 10 years. I think we looked at that company at Lighthouse.
0: I oh, remember. really? Yeah. It was a little, uh, older in the tooth, I think. Um. <laughs> We ended up, we weren't like a, we weren't, it wasn't like our kind of company. Mm -hmm. So, but it wasn't no, no judgment on the company. I just remember it was a later stage company at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like series. I think it's series F now it was, it was C C when I joined. So then I left there to go do, I just wanted to do something very different. So I joined cover. Here in New York, which was a mobile payment app for restaurants, so you could sit down, and then when you were finished, just leave, and all the tip would be handled oh, and stuff. That's my dream. And so that was an amazing group. Uh, that was an amazing squad of product and design engineering leads. Just uh, we we've all stayed in touch, but that that was a killer crew. It got bought seven months after I got there, so I joined, and we were going through all this this crazy acquisition stuff, and then we all pieced out. It was, it was, bought. What, who bought it? It was a comp, a competitor in the UK that, okay. that sort of consolidated all this fragmented payment products and then quietly shifted to something else. So okay. it, basically, there's, it's tough to make money in payments, it turns out, especially if you're a niche player. So after that, I went to, I did consulting for a while, really focused on the technology side, acquisition, helping teams run experiments, stuff like that. That was pretty cool. And then I joined Frame from there. And Frame at the time was, well, I, I should say I joined Frame to run operations, which was a euphemism for like sort of, again, like the business, do everything. like, well, marketing, what are we going to need here? I don't know. You run admin. And and I actually liked running the admin side. I was like, I'm going to run admin the way I think it should be run. It should be easy for everyone to do stuff. Um, it should be have sensible policies, you know, all the, all the dreams you have when you're like, I'm not going to be like my parents, you know. So <laughs> we're not going to be corporate. Um, so that I've actually really enjoyed that part of it now, you know, three years in and yeah, so, so now we've found the business and I continue to run ops and marketing and success and admin as part of that. There's a lot going on in that job description. Yeah. That's that's a lot of stuff to cover. And actually I should say that in retrospect, what felt like a winding road at times through these different jobs really was sort of, I think it's a little cheesy, but like a switchback of a mountain because what I kept doing was trying to help other people do their jobs better. I really get satisfaction out of that and sort of arming people with tools to do it just like I arm myself to do it. So I think uh, I accidentally kept, you know, taking opportunities where I could do that. And uh, yeah, it
0: know. also sounds like you kind of did your. It's like almost like getting a master's degree in business while getting paid, because <laughs> like basically the opera. You sound. It's like a COO role. It's kind. It's a lot like my role, and I, no one expects me to be the master, incredibly knowledgeable about every single thing. But I need to be able to kind of problem solve and make recommendations or see parallels and other things. And so, like the fact that you've done all those different jobs allows you to do that in the same way that. I've kind of had that experience over the last 4 years too. Like now I can just know I know enough about how a company runs to tackle anything pretty much.
1: Yeah, know? yeah, it seems like you it seems like you do basically everything uh, coming I from I mean, we do a lot of stuff, you know. Yeah. Like
0: just, there's we're we're a services company, so we don't have the luxury of like a huge back-end team. Although we're actually starting to build that now like we have we have a CFO in the same way we provide accounting and CFO services for you guys, mm-hmm. we have an external CFO who who focuses on accounting firms. And he's also, nice. I mean, you know, like that, those kind of things we're putting in place. Nice. So I'm with you. I, I think this is having done a lot of different things to me, actually, this is a really fun job. And I, I know because we've talked about it, that you feel the same way about your job.
1: Yeah, this yeah. I cool. actually, I just, I've always had this weirdly broad Span of of skills and interest, and so I, I'm, I guess I'm lucky that I've been able to uh, keep building on them. So very very broad and deeper too. Time. Like
0: one frame
1: IPOs
0: in five years, <laughs> and you know, every everyone needs you. Like that's the awesome
1: thing about having this skill set. Yeah. I, I think you that know. it's become more typical over time. Everybody needs to be kind of tech savvy, and if you're not, you know, you are to be really relying on other people because they're so much more. Of, of any job requires you to understand tooling and, and collaborate online and stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's worked out for me. Been good. Okay. Now talk about frame. What do you guys do? Sure. So frame is a business intelligence stack for customer conversations and it helps people understand what's being said in these conversations with customers and do something about them. And whenever I say that, the question is why do you need a special BI tooling for conversations? Well, a few reasons. One conversations, like, I mean, especially chat and email have just become a much bigger part of doing business. Like it used to be, of course you provide email support, but now it's like, oh, well, you're chatting on a website and, oh, we have some shared channels in Slack with these teams over here that are really important to us. And, oh, our whole business runs as a concierge business on intercom stuff like that. So we keep running, you know, this has just become a bigger part of, of doing business, especially VC funded businesses. And, and there, nobody's really doing much with that data except telling you the fact that you had conversations. Meanwhile, application data, really events, has over a decade of of maturing that ecosystem. So if you're tracking page views or clicks, that stuff is like heavily processed and fed right back into a sales and marketing machine. But we have increasing support, success, et cetera, teams, and there just isn't that same feedback loop. So. Even to take another step, like yeah. the
0: savviest companies I know are actually want to drive the conversations online because you can get that business intelligence out of yeah. it. Instead of having like a conversation over the phone that cannot be, and, and voice recognition and transcription is getting better too. So that's actually changing quickly. Yeah. But like instead of having a phone support conversation that no one in the entire organization benefits from learning mm-hmm. off of that or you can't mine it or build a process to solve that structural problem that was addressed on that phone call. When you do it over chat or email in, in a support thing, you can actually get better. And that's, what's so exciting about what you guys are doing. You're helping companies get better at all these conversations they have. And that's me, exactly right. Yeah. And it goes back to that passion for building processes and fixing things for me. Mm-hmm. Is that like, I, and I will talk about what you guys do exactly, but like, I look at what you're doing and it's like, oh my God, you're giving me like the keys to the kingdom. I can actually, I can see the things that are going well and the things that aren't going well. And how do I fix the things that aren't going well?
1: Yeah, that's that's ultimately what we want to do is help you. So the, when we're doing a sales, sales conversation, it's something like you think of conversations as a cost, but you should really be thinking of them as an enterprise data asset. You're just not using yep. it. You know, that's all of good. the information, you know, instead of using it, you like survey your customers every so often, which is useful, but they mm-hmm. already told you what they care about when they, call, you know, chatted with you over the course yeah. of three months, you know? So, so it's a, it's a compliment to other, other things, but, but we just see a really big opportunity to make better use of it and not even just have it, but then float to the top, the stuff you should really care about. So that's, yep. that's what we're focused on doing. Yeah. So you guys
0: plug, I, I don't know if the word plug-in is the right word, but most companies use Intercom, Zendesk, Front, what, Salesforce, whatever, yeah. Those are the big four or five or...
1: Yeah, you know, Help Scout, Freshdesk, but yeah, th- yeah, these are all, these are the main systems people use. Yeah,
0: and so they're, everyone's using that, like we use Zendesk, and we just started using Zendesk probably six months ago. Mm-hmm. We're probably like i'd say halfway to full adoption like we need to get the full adoption very quickly now and it's become like one of our biggest priorities but we, we used to use email for everything and we realized that we didn't have visibility and the classic things about like people had a hard time going on vacation because they would go on vacation and all the clients needs were in their email and no one else could pick up the work which is which zendesk makes very very easy to do yeah and then we kind of secondarily realized The stuff that you were doing became something that we could, another benefit. So for us, it was like, how do we just make these conversations visible so that other people can pick up the work? And then it became like, oh, my gosh, we now have um, three tickets that are problematic every week that we need to really look into. Or the tone of these conversations is not very good. How do I, how do I dig into that and figure out what's going wrong?
1: Yeah. You're talking about some of the, the sentiment annotations we're adding to conversations. So going back to the connectors piece, wh- what we ended up with is this stack that, that is like all in one for conversation data. And then it can hand off to something like a data warehouse if, you, if you're a bigger team. So you have, you know, built connectors, we can also do custom stuff, but you have like a one click to Intercom, Salesforce, et cetera, that, that collects new data and then replays old stuff, actually. So you can kind of instantly have, I just snapped my fingers. I don't know if you can hear that. You instantly have a bunch of stuff in in frame. And then we have a layer of sort of data management. So you can have custom field mapping and rules for for fixing misattributed roles like guests, you know, customers and agents, and uh, cleaning up tags, which is a perennial. This is like one of the biggest problems people come to us with is tag cleanup. And then there's a processing or enrichment layer where we can do things like auto tag, and automatically add these sentiment moments we're talking about. We we look for not just positive, negative, but what's the substance of it and what's the emotional affect of it. So you're looking for substantive, high emotion good and bad uh, statements that people make plucked out of these long back and forth threads. And then finally this presentation layer, more of a typical BI, you know, query builder reporting tool. Um, and then at the end you can export to CSV, set up alerts for it, or sync it back to a warehouse, like I said, and then combine it with the CRM and other data sources. I think that I, in the, the sentiment
0: analysis is the thing I mostly gravitate towards because mm-hmm. I just very visual
1: mm-hmm. and I can
0: click on that, but, the exciting thing for us is that like we have like 140 positive messages every month about I'm just kind of, you know, like I remember the general and we'll have like two or three that are problematic, which is an amazing ratio. So I actually look at the ratio, the just the ballpark ratio. And I'm like, that means we're doing things well. <laughs> and then I actually the other cool thing about the positive sentiment is that it helps us recognize uh, team members that are providing excellent service that probably would go unrecognized if we didn't have a tool like this to service it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, great job, Amir, or, you know, Hannah, you thanks for getting this done so quickly or things like that. It's actually really pops out at you. Yeah. So the, I think one of the things I've kind of learned is that sometimes people fear tool systems like this because, it has the potential to be, um, they it they feel like, oh, this data could be used against me somehow in my career. But actually, what it really does is it, it demonstrates who, or pulls out who the superstars are. And you can, it actually is like a multiplier on providing terrific support. Because then once everyone kind of learns that they're getting recognized, it makes everyone else want to participate. And like you heard me say, we're probably 50% usage on Zendesk, like I, I watch our Zendesk usage every week and it's, it's moving up steadily. So what I see in our organization is people getting more comfortable with this. And one of the thing, reasons people are more comfortable is we give a, sh- we give shouts out every Monday
1: oh, that's great. people
0: providing great service. And a lot of that data is actually coming from a frame, my little click in the conversation thing. <laughs> is awesome.
1: Yeah, that's why on that sentiment stuff in particular, that's why we actually lead with wins. You, you, you've seen it. it's like wins, yeah. issues, and risks. So, the three moments there. And the risks are important for f- making sure stuff got followed up correctly or resolved or something. You know, they're just high, you know, stuff you want to look at. But the wins are great coaching opportunities and recognition opportunities. So, the emails that go out and the dashboards lead with those. And it, it, like your role, there, there's a couple main things that people do. They do things like, report on what's happening in general they look for understanding like product feedback very generally like what are bugs how do we organize this stuff that's a huge class of activities we help with but then this other thing is like just overseeing what's happening and so you have this like these roles where the support team cares about some stuff but then CEOs other executives will poke in and do the, the kind of thing you're doing like let me just let me just drop in and focus for 20 minutes on stuff fire off some emails and go about my day. And I know from, from personal anecdotes at other companies that this is something CEOs and other leaders already do, except they just kind of randomly read through transcripts rather than have something that's, you know, set up for them.
0: I I remember actually on the transcript thing, you're totally right. The bill.com CEO spoke at a, a bunch of conferences I've been at, and he, he does do that. And they, they, they forced everyone to do instant message instead of phone support precisely so they could get those transcripts so they could mine mm-hmm. that. So you're, you're totally right. Actually, when I first saw your kind of, you have this really pretty dashboard with a bunch of visuals and then you have like the listings of the conversations or like the, the key terms that are positive or negative. I was like, Holy cow, this is amazing. Like I actually am super bullish on your company because of that, that one view I can look at. It's, it's exactly what it, the kind of dashboard you'd want if you're running a company.
1: That's what we're going for. Yeah.
0: I didn't know until you mentioned it, like you can actually automatically do uh, ticket routing and things like that. Cause that's one of the problems we have actually is like, if someone leaves or if we change a client manager or something like that, like we have to really go in and manually change who's getting those tickets How does
1: frame actually automate that? Not exactly. I think what what we're focused, we're not trying to go back into the operational side, at least the operational, like in the moment side of things. So when I say, uh, I think you're talking about like adjusting the roles, what happens is people, especially in Salesforce, but even in Zendesk um, with a lot of the automations they run, who said what gets really confusing. Like who said this ticket? Like who, who sent this message? Did you send it? On behalf of a customer, but using your own API key, uh, <laughs> like did you did you map this Salesforce field correctly? Is it authored by or created by? Like, there's all this weird stuff we found, and we've gotten really good at, in some cases, automatically fixing that if we've seen it before, or just making an adjustment. And once we make the adjustment at our data management layer, all of the data is reflected differently in the UI. And in some cases, if we if we adjust an, uh, you know, a message from being unknown or an agent to a customer. Now all of a sudden it goes and gets those sentiment annotations um, within a few minutes. That's so, really cool. Um,
0: yeah. So. Cause managing in, in your same analogy of how like the marketing or se or search or SEO or whatever attribution is very well understood. Mm-hmm. The people don't, I don't feel like they know the cost of actually operating like a Zendesk or sales. It's, it's actually takes a lot of manpower and time and money to continually tweak the stuff and make sure it's updated. And if it's not updated, then tickets sit there not getting processed and customers are not getting served the right way. So we actually have like a consultant who does a lot of stuff manually for us. It's just kind of the cost of doing business right now. But the automations you're talking about are—it's almost like email marketing automation. Like, of course, there should be some automation that make that checks who's assigned where and that things are getting captured in the CRM correctly. You know. That's right.
1: Yeah, and actually, I guess its it'll helped at least me personally in my the the product feedback that I give internally. Like coming from, coming from a marketing background and like very heavy tech marketing background, I've seen a lot of the evol- evolution of those tools. You know, Segment, as an example. Um, and how that feeds into things like heap, which can then virtually create different events that you hadn't instrumented before. Like we've we've taken some of those analogies and built them into frame so that you can, after the fact, rewire how things are represented. Very cool.
0: Do you have like a, cause I, I've seen your customer base cause I have the advantage of seeing your invoicing. Do you have like <laughs> some great, um, you have a great customer base. Have, do you have any good like gotcha moments or like, uh, not gotcha, aha moments of like, the CEO or head of support or things like that, seeing what you guys are doing and just being blown away?
1: Yeah. I mean, the surprisingly, actually we're, we're relatively small team, but we already have like public companies and HIPAA compliant Mm -hmm. deployments underway because we, you know, the bigger teams tend to need this kind of stuff. So that's been for better or worse forced to deal with some of this enterprise um, sales process and deployment, but Mm -hmm. inevitably well, there's there's two big ones. I mean, the first is when someone sees that they can change their tags after the fact. They just, if, especially if you're in Zendesk, because you can't change old data. The tag schemes always shift over time. As soon as they start futzing with it, they're like, "Oh man, we're all in. We're gonna we're gonna spend two weeks cleaning this up." And that gets them the operators in particular excited. But um, I think the single biggest is is the CEO. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know about this one conversation that's sitting there these the risks you're talking about those to get the biggest um the biggest reception immediately because we're taking literally a sentence from a huge email back and forth two weeks ago and just putting it at the top of a dashboard uh, as something that had some motion around it and it, might, it was pro- probably dealt with just fine but they didn't see it yet they get really excited I, about
0: one of the, the first time i logged in i saw a uh, we call them zingers and it was a zinger from <laughs> someone who really had no idea a client didn't like was pretty new and pretty new to like the accounting and finance game, who was just like, so off base, it was actually like scary how off base they were. I felt actually, I was like almost like, I felt like I almost needed to call the CEO and be like, Hey, you, you have something happening here in your organization. That's like, and it, it we ended up working it out and I had actually been on the, I basically had worked it out by the time I saw the dashboard. But the, like when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, Frame captured, like it pulled that one out. And that was like, that was like a company threat for this company. It was a company threatening event that mm. someone wasn't doing their job properly at the company. And so, and it was, it was getting back to us because that, because there was some question of whether we should have been doing it or not. And it, it wasn't in our realm, but it was like, I just, it was like the ultimate validation that you pulled out, like the biggest zinger of the week for us. Um, It was right at the top of the dashboard and I'd already solved it, but I was like, Oh my God.
1: Um, I mean, something we haven't covered much just to, to mention it is that a lot of companies use multiple systems. So right now they're usually not pulling the data in any one place. So you haven't experienced this exactly, but if you have intercom and Salesforce and maybe Slack shared channels, to have those pulled into one place and all adjusted to be coherent conversations is pretty magical. So that's another, you know, when, when we, when we pull that stuff in those kinds of things, uh, you know, multiply, like that seeing makes sense.
0: actually, yeah. I was wondering about that because in the Slack thing could be really big because we're starting to do more Slack sharing and things like that. Tell me kind of where you guys are going, like what's, what's on the roadmap or is it, is it just now you're in the block and tackling assign more customers You know, raise a big fundraising round. Like, how are you guys thinking about the company?
1: What we're doing right now, we're pretty excited about the Salesforce connector that we we, we've released. It sort of quietly and have companies using it, but we've gotten really good at making it all make sense. It's very customized when you get in there. So we're pretty excited about what that's going to lead to for these bigger teams. Um, But in general, we we want to keep doing more of what we're good at. So we want to get. Uh, more connectors built. That's sort of on the easier side. We're seeing a lot of value in these automatic annotations that we add. So I can see us doing. We, we're we're thinking about things like detecting surges in activity. Um, that people aren't aware of on the ground, uh, and other types of industry-specific moments. Right now, we have sentiment-oriented things, but there are lots of um, lots of common uh, situations that arise in conversations we can detect and, and raise for you. What's like an and example? Then, what like what's an example of that? Like, uh, I mean, people send us. We've seen people develop common tagging schemes around things. For example, like if you're an e-commerce business, you're tracking all of these kinds of things. Um, and so they'll end up doing a lot of the same work on tagging returns, as an example, or, or a company tagging like password and account problems. And we, we are getting good, at, even though we don't mix any data between customers, it's all like per, per customer um, ML models, but we're getting pretty good at figuring out like, all right, well, this looks like it's a, a password issue. So maybe we should just do that for you, just automatically annotate it, or this is going to be a um, return. Something like that. Those are just ex- examples. Um, uh, and then, and then the action space is, is um, I think I'm most excited about it. Like it, making it easy to, for instance, get alerted when there's a new match on a high, a low sentiment. You know, if, they, if it's one customer you're monitoring, to be alerted when something bad happens in a conversation, so you can jump in and help. That's, or, really that's just an example, but but I know that um, other companies, other CEOs have had people build that for them internally, and so. I think we can make that um, something available to everyone. That's kind of the thing that
0: sells, this makes the system sell itself too, because retaining one problem, like one client that's in trouble or something like that, pays mm-hmm. for everything for the year. You know, probably for a lot of companies. So it's like it's a it's a really simple. Aside from like the toyish factor or like the the make you feel good because you got a cool visualization, the mm-hmm. the hard the hard math actually supports you guys really well cuz like you know if if we lose one client because of a mess up like on our side which hopefully doesn't happen very often being able to correct that very quickly is is a huge revenue. It's basically like signing a new client, not losing them. And then also for us, the ROI in like reduced stress and reduced kind of three people working on something to figure something out or fix something is pretty high. So I just feel like you're in a high ROI game right now.
1: Yeah, that's actually that's been something we've learned. I mean, since we, since we first built it and then started selling it, The ROI on it is dramatic and you you have a team of 30 people and you really don't know what they're talking about. You're relying on them to sort of self tag in the moment, which is really, really difficult to do. And then you're kind of randomly QAing tickets. Like these are really important people and the conversations are important. And so it's just a, like, it's it's a huge opportunity to make better use of that stuff. And it's, it doesn't take much to make, to do it. I'm excited
0: where you're going. I, and I, I actually look forward to getting my dashboard email every week. (laughs) (laughs) So this is real dorkiness, but I'm I'm very excited for you guys. Um, Well, cool. Well, maybe you can tell everyone where they can find you and and how to talk to Frame and uh, how to reach you over email and and if they want to take the next steps.
1: Yeah. So it's just frame.ai. It's easy to get started there. It takes about 30 seconds to sign in and start pulling your data in and make use of it. And uh, you can reach me directly if you want, Robbie, at uh, that's R-O-B-B-I-E at frame.ai. It's
0: been a pleasure working with you guys. I'm so excited where, you, where you've where you landed and uh, we're using the product. It's really cool. That's the ultimate validation I can give you. So thank you for exactly. making my life better and Vanessa's life better and also our team members' life better because we do those shout outs on Mondays. A lot of that stuff's coming from the frame dashboard. So thank you for, for the positive impact you're making on Cruise. Excellent. Happy to help. Cool. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that episode of Founders and Friends Podcast. Quick shout out to Brex, the first startup credit card. Brex is our sponsor and we really appreciate their support. Brex has no personal guarantee for founders. That's a really big deal. It integrates really nicely with QuickBooks. Great rewards that are startup centric. It's a really nice little tool, and we are seeing it uh, all across the Cruise uh, portfolio of clients. So check it out. And again, if you go through the sign up flow and type in Cruise, you get a discount. So hopefully, you'll check out Brex. Thanks again for the support on the podcast, guys. Take care.